The scripture reading for the day is 1 John 5, 6 through 21. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are, of, that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true in his son Jesus Christ he is the true God and eternal life little children keep yourselves from idols this is the word of the Lord thank you Kristen pray with me Gracious God, we ask that the words of my mouth, that the thoughts and meditations of our collective heart would be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Come, be present with us by your Spirit. Give us your grace, give us your love. Change us more and more into those who follow you in love for you and for our neighbors. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're coming now to the end of our reflection in the letter of 1 John. And uh, John has been a reliable guide to us as he gives us insight into the rhythms of life as followers of Jesus. What are the characteristic rhythms of those who find their life in Jesus Christ, whether they're beginning that life 
somewhere in the middle or at the end. Whether circumstances are good or hard or joyful or easy, regardless of circumstances, what are those aspects of life that we ought to be experiencing if we are seeking to follow Jesus? Uh, This morning, we come to abiding in Jesus, abiding in Jesus. And as I was trying to think of an illustration that would get at the nature of the glorious mystery of what it means to abide in Jesus, and I couldn't come up with one. So I came up with a composite, uh, a few illustrations to begin. First of all, have you ever met somebody famous? Bumped into them, maybe you were visiting uh, New York City, maybe here in Austin, and you ran into somebody famous, and you know it shouldn't really be a thrill because they're just a person after all, but it kind of is. It's kind of really cool when you run into somebody famous. Our kids uh, did a trip to D.C. with Kathy a number of years back, and they came back and they reported to me, we met the president, and he waved at us. Like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, he was in a car, uh, but he waved, and he was looking at us when he waved. We met President Obama. It was awesome. You ever met somebody famous? Have you ever spent a day with a hero of yours? Kids, I know that some of you are here with us. Do you have a friend maybe, or you know of somebody who has participated in the Make-A-Wish Foundation? A kid who's struggling with health problems and they get the opportunity to have something cool happen. And sometimes the wish that they make is to spend a day with a hero. Maybe some of you uh, older at heart folks in here have seen a sports center in which a kid gets to spend a day with his sports hero. And if you can make it through that segment without tearing up, then come talk to me because something's wrong, and we need to address that, right? Isn't it amazing to be able to spend a day with your hero? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had the privilege of having a date with that woman or that guy who you've sought after for so long? Have you ever had the privilege of not just having a date, but actually entering into a marriage with that person? Maybe one day some of us will have the privilege of waking up after 50, 60, maybe even 70 years of marriage to that same person. If you take all those and put them together, you start to get at what John is inviting us into when he invites us to spend a lifetime abiding with Jesus, living a rhythm of deep and intimate lifelong relationship with our hero, with our Savior, with the lover of our souls, abiding with Jesus as a rhythm of life. We've looked at a number of these rhythms over the past few weeks, believing in Jesus. And remember, John writes like a poet. And so he doesn't say, okay, we're going to talk about believing in Jesus here in the first part of my letter. And then we're going to move on and we're going to talk about obeying so that we can be assured of our relationship with Jesus next, maybe in chapter two. And then in chapter three, we're going to talk about battling sin. No, he doesn't write like that. He's a poet. And so he just kind of mixes it all together and he reflects on them over and over, weaving in and out. And so here we come to chapter 5, and guess what? They're all here, believing in Jesus. We see in verse 13, John says, I write to you who believe. Obeying and finding assurance in our obedience. In verses 13 and 14, he says, I write to you so that you may know 
that you have eternal life, and this is the confidence that you can have. It's all right here. Again, in chapter 5, battling sin, verse 18, anyone born of God does not keep on sinning, loving others. He encourages to pray for a brother or a sister who may be caught in sin. Again, these characteristic ways of following Jesus, of being a disciple, they're all right here. But if there's a bucket big enough to hold all of them, it would be the bucket of abiding in Jesus. If there was a foundational rhythm out of which all these rhythms flow, it would be abiding in Jesus. Friends, according to the testimony of 1 John and the rest of the scriptures, Jesus doesn't just want you to believe. He doesn't need your knowledge. He doesn't just want your holiness. He doesn't merely want your kingdom living and your love for others. All those things are good, yes, and he desires them. But what Jesus wants most from you is you. His desire is to spend a lifetime abiding in deep relationship with you. I mentioned last week that I apprenticed of sorts uh, with my father as a kid. He was a carpenter and a contractor, and I had the opportunity to spend time with him and learn from him. And as I reflect back on those days and those years of apprenticeship, I do reflect on the opportunities that I had to get to know my dad in a way that I never knew him before, in the ways that he interacted with his contractors and his subs and his employees. I had the opportunity to grow into the image of my father, at least in the way uh, of a hard work ethic. And that was really important for me. As I look back, I reflect on the opportunity, the extreme privilege that I had as a young person to actually work and contribute to a business that was bringing blessing and flourishing to others in the world. What an opportunity and an apprenticeship. But as I would look back on those years, what strikes me the most is that the most important aspect of that time that I had apprenticing with my father was just simply time spent with him. And as an adult, now I have the maturity to look back and to see at the end of the day, that's what it was all about. The relationship with my father. Friends, this is your invitation this morning. And may God give us the maturity to recognize we're being invited into the relationship. The characteristic rhythm of a life with Jesus is life with Jesus. Abiding with Him for a lifetime. You can look at it under three subjects. The object of our abiding, Jesus, of course. The grace of abiding, what we get with him, and the practice of abiding, what it looks like to pursue him. The object of abiding, the grace of abiding, and the practice of abiding. Of course, the object of our abiding is Jesus. But John doesn't just present any old Jesus. John's very particular about who Jesus is, and he wants us to know exactly who it is that we're being invited to do life with. John doesn't say, Hey, this is my buddy Jesus who I traveled with for three years. 
though that would have been accurate. He doesn't say, this is Jesus, my rabbi, with whom I apprenticed. He doesn't say, Jesus, you know, the guy who gave us the golden rule. He doesn't say, Jesus, that guy who died is an example of the power of nonviolent resistance. No, John gives us a very particular Jesus. And this is critical because if you don't know who Jesus is, you won't understand the full value of what you have as you do life with him. And in fact, John indicates here in this passage, if you're following a Jesus other than the Jesus who we have in the scriptures, you're not actually abiding with him at all. Who is this Jesus who John presents to us? Susan, I so appreciate your admonition that we shouldn't fear any of the Bible because God gives us his word because he loves us and he gives us his word because it's here that we find Jesus. And that's an encouragement to me because when I got to 1 John chapter 5, I realized there's some sticky wickets in this passage. Maybe you noticed a few of them. One is this strange way that he ends the whole letter. He says, don't give in to idolatry. He hasn't talked about idolatry at all in the entire letter. And yet here he ends by saying, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Fortunately, there are men and women far wiser than I who have studied and understand and pointed out that the idolatry that John is referring to is most likely a particular kind of idolatry. It's an idolatry of taking Jesus and then crafting him into our own image. We spoke of this a few weeks ago. See, John is responding in part in this letter to a group of people who had left the congregation. He says in chapter 2 or chapter 3, they've gone out from us and they weren't part of us. They gave in to a particular kind of idolatry of crafting a Jesus who is not the Jesus that we've been given to follow. This makes some sense of the other sticky wicket, which is this sin that leads to death. Did you notice that? Uh, John is rolling and he's moving from one subject to the next. And so he's reflecting on this beautiful access that we have to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. And we can come to him with confidence and prayer. And we can bring our needs to him in prayer. And then somehow John's mind leaps to a particular need of prayer. And that is that if a brother and sister is caught in a sin, we can pray for him to God the Father and we can ask. And God the Father would give life. And then he says this strange thing. But I'm not talking about sins that lead to death. I'm talking about the sins that don't lead to death. The sin that leads to death, well, you can pray for that or not pray for that. I don't have a strong opinion. But I'm talking about the sin that doesn't lead to death. What in the world is he talking about? Like, what is the sin that leads to death? What is the sin that doesn't lead to death? Well, remember, these teachers had gone out and they had believed in a Jesus other than the Jesus who we have been given in scriptures. They believed in a Jesus that isn't necessarily the Son of God. They believe in a Jesus that isn't necessarily God who has come down and become one of us. They believe in a Jesus who isn't necessarily God who has taken on our sin on himself for our behalf. They've rejected the true doctrine of Jesus. And so because of that, they're not actually united to Jesus at all. They're not in a relationship 
with God through faith and repentance. And because they're outside of that faith and repentance, when they sin, that sin is going to lead to death because they're outside of a relationship with God. That's all John is saying here. When he says there is a kind of sin that leads to death, he's talking about the kind of sin that is committed outside of saving faith in Jesus as he is presented to us in the scriptures. And that sins that don't lead to death, well, those are the sins that are committed by those who are united to Jesus through faith. And so he talks about those who characteristically sin, right, because they're giving themselves to a life that is, uni- that is not united to Jesus himself. And so, all that to ask and hopefully answer the question, who is Jesus as John presents him to us? Look at verse 20 with me again, if you would. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, union, abiding, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. He is the true God and eternal life. So Jesus, John says clearly, is the Son of God, is the divine, second person of the Trinity. He is the true God. If you remember the way that John opens his gospel, telling the story of Jesus, he says, Jesus is the one who was in the beginning with God. All things were created through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. That's who Jesus is. Very God of very gods, as the great creed confesses. But John bookends this little section of his letter uh, with his true doctrine of who Jesus is. He is indeed the Son of God, the true God, but look at verse 6 with me again if you would. He says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Okay, now what in the world is he talking about here? What does he mean that Jesus is the one who came by water and blood? He doesn't explain it, which probably means that his original audience would have known exactly what he was talking about. They're talking a common language, but it's a language that may not be familiar to you. It wasn't super familiar to me. The key is in his name, Jesus Christ. Kids, you know that Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who has come to rescue and to save and to bring the new life of God's kingdom. That's who Jesus is, the one who came by water and blood. And so if we think in terms of the Messiah and the experiences of Jesus' life, it begins to make a little more sense. The water is his baptism when he was anointed and God's commendation fell upon him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus was set apart as the Messiah, the one who would come to deal not just with Israel's enemies, Rome and whoever else might be on the throne. No, the enemies of all humanity, sin and death and hell itself. Jesus as Messiah is the one who was promised, who would come and judge sin. And indeed he did. Jesus is the one as the Messiah who was promised who would come and usher in God's kingdom 
and fullness of life, as John calls it, eternal life, or life of the age to come. And indeed, he did. He's testified to by the water of his baptism. But he's testified to as well by the blood. You see, Jesus didn't just come as a conquering hero, triumphant and ascendant. He is the one who came and defeated sin for you and for me in a way that didn't defeat us by giving up his life, his blood on the cross. He came as a Messiah in a way that nobody would have expected. He came as a suffering Messiah, as a sacrificial Christ. Friends, do you know who it is that you are being invited to abide with? Have you ever met anybody famous? How about the creator of all things who brought the beauty of the world into being by the power of his word? Ever spent a day with your hero? How about the Messiah who came and defeated sin on your behalf but didn't defeat you because he took your place? at the cost of his own blood. Jesus is the one who came. Ever spent a day, a marriage, a lifetime with the one whom you have sought? Actually, Jesus is the one who sought you. Very God of very gods who left the glories of heaven to come down And to move into our history, not just into our history, to move into our mess that we have created. Not just step into our mess, but to step all the way into our lives and to take on our mess on our behalf. Friends, Jesus is the pursuing lover of your soul and he is inviting you to abide with him. That's the object of our abiding. What do we get with Jesus? We get the Messiah. We get the one in whom we find our acceptance with God. See, our abiding with Jesus isn't just doing life with him, although we get that. It's actually deeper than that. It's a mystery. Jesus invites us We see this in John chapter 15, to actually abide in him. It means that when we abide with Jesus, we are in him. He is our representative. He is our Messiah and that he goes for us and he stands for us. You all know that we moved from California recently, and you probably know by now that uh, we're pretty big Warriors fans. And so this particular NBA Finals was a bit of a disappointment, but we had everything that you could possibly ask for. The ball in the hands of our hero with a shot to win the game and send it to Game 7. And you may have seen the game. Stephen Curry gets the ball. He has a good look. He puts the shot up. And as that ball goes up into the air, all the hopes and dreams, not just of Stephen Curry, not just of the Golden State Warriors players, not just of their front office, 
but of the entire fan base exists in that one action of the one person. And all our collective hopes were dashed as the ball clangs off the rim. It was Stephen Curry's shot, was it not? His and his alone. And yet it wasn't. It was the shot of the entire Warriors organization and fan base because we were in him in that moment. He was our representative and he's the one we wanted. Friends, that's a picture of what it means that we are in Jesus. He is our representative. And all that he has done, he has done for us. And everything that he is, we are. And so when God the Father and Jesus' baptism looks upon him and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father looks at you because of your abiding in Jesus through faith, not of any accomplishment of your own. God the Father looks at you and he says, you are my daughter in whom I am well pleased. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. Friends, when's the last time you thought about how God the Father thinks of you? Is that how you know God sees you? This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased because we are in Jesus in our abiding. And Jesus is in us in our abiding as well. This too is what it means to abide with Jesus. John tells us in verse 11 that whoever has the son has life. Friends, mysteriously, by the power of Jesus' spirit, when we abide in Jesus, Jesus is in us. The very life and grace and love and power as the one who has brought the life of the age to come into our present is in us. And so as we think about the rhythms of life that we desire, fullness of life for ourselves, but even more, a life that's able to bear fruit for others, where does the ability come from? It comes from Jesus. Not I, but Christ who lives in me, as the Apostle Paul says. And so friends, if that's the object of our abiding, if that's the grace of our abiding, how do we participate? How do we experience the life and the joy of this abiding? What are the rhythms of being with Jesus? If you don't know, if you've never tried, this is a great place to start. Friends, Grace and Peace is a congregation that seeks to find Christ at the center of everything that we do. And all the activities that you heard about with the wonderful announcements and all the service opportunities and all the Bible study opportunities and all the prayer opportunities and sitting in this room listening to somebody preach a sermon, it's all about abiding with Jesus because this is where he is. And we get to come along and to be with him. Kids, I'm going to close with an illustration I think you'll like. Uh, we just got a little puppy yesterday. So, yes, adults, if you're paying attention, we moved. We started a new place and a new job with three new schools, and then we got a puppy. <laughs> and so at 4 a.m. this morning, 
I was up working on my sermon with our puppy. And let me tell you, Ollie, I think we're going to call him, knows how to abide. Right? Puppies know how to do this. Because if you want to abide, all you got to do is get up next to the person that you want to abide with. And puppies are awesome at that. Ollie followed me around as I made my coffee and as I got my Bible set up. And then Ollie just laid down on my feet and put his head right on my foot and stayed there until I moved again. I don't know if I've ever preached a sermon in which the closing application was be like a dog. (laughs) But be like Ollie, friends. Find them. And if you don't know where to find them, come ask me. And then get up close. And then put your head on his feet and just stay there. Let's abide with Jesus for a rhythm that brings glory to God and life to Austin. Would you pray with me? Uh, that's our prayer, Jesus, that we would know you. We would know that we belong to you. That we would know that we're invited to do life with you, that we would know that because we're united to you, that somehow mysteriously we're in you, you're in us. And we want to work out what that means. Um, We want to understand it more, but we want to experience it more. Uh, Father, we long to be people who bear fruit for others. And we want to do it in a way that brings glory to you. So help us, we pray by your spirit, to abide with Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen.